Okay, let's see. We should be on live right now, and we are. So, all right, what's going on, guys? We're on the John Papaloni Show. Today, we are interviewing Nick White from Ottawa. Sorry, Nick Kite from Ottawa. He's with Coldwell Banker, but I'm going to actually let him do his introduction. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, John. Doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Uh, So, Nick Kite uh, with Coldwell Banker First Ottawa um, here in the nation's capital. Um, and uh, I've been in real estate now. This is my eighth year. Uh, and, uh, you know, coming from uh, a buyer's market to a balanced market and now into an extreme seller's market has been exciting, uh, stressful, but uh, and a lot of lessons learned. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, it's uh, kind of crazy how it is in, uh, in the GTA as well. I mean, like lack of inventory seems to be the common theme here. And, and you know, I mean, like, I don't know how it is out there, but like, out here, we'll have um, bidding wars that are just totally outrageous. Like, I'll give you an example. In a, town, in a city called Oakville, we ha- I was um, showing buyers, uh, uh, you know, the home there. It was listed at 1.5. Market value at the time was about 1.6, 1.62, somewhere around there. Um, it mm-hmm. sold for 1.85. And I was t- suggesting to the buyers they go at 1.72 and thinking, you know what, we're like 100 grand over even market value. And I thought it was a shoe in nowhere near you know what i mean like it was just incredible and, and then it just got worse and worse in the, from there in the market um currently we're noticing a bit of a, a little bit of a shift not a big one and what i mean by a shift is that when this thing started the average uh, showings sorry offers not showings were about 15 to 20 per house and then uh, we started getting over 30 30 to 40 being the average and we've even had as much as 72 offers on properties um, now I'm starting to notice the average is coming back down to the 10 to 15 mark. Okay. So there's a few homes that don't even get offers on offer day, but there's not a lot of them, obviously. And there's some people that are starting to go back to just pricing them right and not bothering with the offers. Um, there's very few of those. You know, offer dates still is still the common theme, but it's been a little bit of a pullback. How about you guys? How's it been for you? So I think we're experiencing what you guys have been experiencing for the past 10 years. And right now our current inventory is 0.9 of a month. So we are in the kind of best position for sellers that has ever been seen in the Ottawa or greater Ottawa real estate market. Um, We definitely, depending on the type and price points, um, let's just say anything that was is below 700,000 in in the Ottawa area um, is seeing a dramatic elevation in price points uh, ex, uh, accelerating from one week to the next because of the amount of people uh, and buyers looking and offering. Um, so that is definitely one trend. And then uh, another trend is our, our luxury end uh, where we're seeing a lot of demand for uh, the you know one million plus uh, property range, and that has also significantly risen um, with the with COVID happening over the past kind of eighteen months. And as of right now, we're not seeing any slowdown. Um, inventory is still running extremely low from what we need, um, and there are buyers uh, on all different spectrums. So uh, as you know, when you have so many different demographics searching at the same time. Um, it, it creates uh, a lot of competition and, and obviously sellers are extremely happy um, and buyers are frustrated. Yeah, that's very true. Like um, I had uh, basically three buyers bail on me just on January because they want to wait the market out. 
It's, uh, you know, I don't blame them. I still don't think that's the right tactic, but again, I don't blame them and it's ultimately their choice. So, um, yeah, it, there's definitely major frustration in the market right now. Yeah. Um, because what I'm, what I'm seeing too is, is, is definitely people who have like, say a fixed, uh, cap of say 700 or 600,000. The, the issue right now is, is a month or two months ago, they, they had some options, but they didn't, um, you know, they didn't offer enough or, or there was just, it just went for too much. And now what's happening is they're being priced out of the market. So they definitely do want to buy. However, because of where the market's at and going at such a fast pace, um, they're realizing that some of the options that they would have gladly lived in before are no longer options or viable because they're coming on at higher price points and selling for dramatically more. Yeah, which makes sense. Now, here's uh, something that happened to me. Um, I wanted, I was, uh, I had a, a customer that had called and we had a conversation, told me what they wanted, right? But they were adamant on a uh, detached house and it has to be a detached house with a white picket fence, you know, the usual that everybody wants and they won't look at anything uh, less, right? So then I'm like, what's your budget? And they tell me they basically approve for somewhere between five and 550. So they asked me, what can we get in those parameters for five? To 550. I told them they're better off to buy a Ferrari because they'll have more luck. Um, and because that, that's, the market has gone outrageous. And 550 in Toronto will not get you a detached house. Not at all. Like there's zero chance. Yes. Right? I mean, not even if someone priced it so wrong or whatnot. Like I, I saw that article and they had so much coverage about that small little tiny shed uh, in the downtown core. Uh, that was listed, I believe, at seven ninety nine or something like that, and and went for even more. And and you know, if you have someone like that selling, you know, and and you want a detached home uh, that has a bedroom and a bathroom, then then obviously you're just not going to find that. No, exactly, and that's the thing, right? Because they even said we're willing to go west, right? And I'm like, how far west are you really willing to go? Oh, we'll even go to London. I'm going, okay, your max, max, max budget is 550 and that one based on the mortgage approval is a maybe an average price in london is still five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. so what are you think are the odds of success there and they thought about it and they said okay um maybe we'll look at towns right so kind of like it took them a couple of days they came back they thought about it right but it was like oh my god right like it was like it was that tug of war and i'm finding that's a common thing so when sometimes when people uh get something in their mind and they're stuck on that. Uh, and sort of, you got to bring them back to, uh, in a way, I don't want to say it this way, but in a way you got to bring them back to reality. Right? Yeah, or you, you have to provide them the the facts of the market that allows them to see that this, this is not what we're saying, that this is the reality of the market. And when you, like, for instance, here in Ottawa, the minute you have one mid unit townhouse that sells for, you know, 650 or 700,000, well, the expectation, if those two towns are comparable in that location, uh, the seller's expectation for their property is going to be more. So it's not going to be less. So, you know, when buyers are looking, you know, and they see that those the prices are being sold at, 
um, it's it's tough to see because it just has risen so significantly that before you know five thousand here maybe ten thousand but now we're talking you know fifty sixty seventy thousand dollars more than you know a week or two ago comparable home in that location so it you know it, I think people are are definitely um, understanding a lot quicker and and the bottom line is is the reality of the market. It is not changing. So uh, right now, people really need to uh, listen to their realtors, see the facts, and and really come up with a plan that uh, is going to make them successful. Absolutely, I agree with you 100% there. Like even now, from the one year, like last year to this year, I saw the, the stats last month, and the average detached home in that uh, one year during COVID went up 27.2%. Like that's absurd and abnormal. Right. Like, I mean, let's face it. Let, let, let's look at 40 years of history. If you calculate 40 years of history, it's roughly averages around roughly 7% per year. But a lot of times people think it's just going up 7% every year. But as we can see, the market is showing it doesn't. You go up 10% one year down. You, you can lose a couple of percent another year, comes back and makes 4% another next year. Then one year you make 27% like this year. With this week, right. So but you got to take the average. I mean, I believe that real estate is a long term investment if, and like and there's I, so many people think they're going to make the riches by flipping every two years and and i disagree with that but what are your thoughts on that i think like you know you got to hold on and, and like the longer you hold the better you do so i i i agree with you wholeheartedly on that uh the kind of caveat to that would be depending on uh, people's business models and and that if they are holding some of their portfolio, but then trading in the additional portfolio in terms of flipping, then it's really it really does come down to timing. Um, and if you don't have, you know, uh, a grasp of construction contractors, uh, available funds uh, and and understand that what you need to pay for the home to get it then what you need to do to it and then what the expectation is price wise within a short time of time frame you know that's where you know it's it's stressful and you're rolling the dice each and every time and sometimes you win and sometimes you don't and um, kind of one lesson that i've seen uh, in the past is is some people are very eager uh, you know, after watching some HTTV and, you know, uh, watching million dollar listings in, in, in the States and, and all this fun stuff, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll buy low, we'll sell high. Um, and, you know, they get a property at a decent price, but then their construction costs go much more. And then they need even more so on, on terms of their selling price. And unfortunately at that time, they're just not getting that price point. And you know what, you learn your lesson and, and you lose money. And so um, there's people who, like I always say in real estate, there's, there's winners and losers and which one, which one do you want to be? Uh, absolutely. Uh, the way I look at it though, is long-term guarantees you success to a point. Right? So my solution would be to someone who got into the situation you just described, I would tell them, don't sell, rent it out and let the appreciation come in. So at least you can a minimum break even, if not make money over time. But again, it goes back to what you're saying, right? There's two different ways and you're doing, and most people who are doing that and run out of money, that's, find that's, a way to borrow it and they don't have that timeline. That's right. And so the, the whole, or, or they've, they've grouped together with a, you know, a family member or, or friends and, and that was the goal. And then, you know, 
there, there causes those rifts and, and whatnot. But I completely agree. I, I think the, the, the buy and hold um, can only be beneficial for, 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 you know, building your portfolio. And obviously, you know, the perks of, of just the basic, you know, taking some money out of the equity and purchasing something else. Uh, I think that still holds very true. And, you know, why, you know, sometimes people overthink or try to outdo what has been done in the past that has worked successfully. So just just do what works and and what's comfortable for you as a as, as a buyer and then obviously as a seller. Absolutely. Now, here's another thing you're like, which I got from, you know, from what you just said came to mind, like a lot of times, I don't know what your experiences are, but I find that a lot of times people are looking for deals, but they also want the perfection in the house. Like, I find that sometimes you can compromise. Like, if you get something that needs a little renovation, a little work, and then you do the work yourself, you can customize it and personalize it to your liking. And then I think you can get the better appreciation by doing that. But also, but again, sometimes people are afraid of the work. How would you respond to someone who, like, like in, the, in that situation where they just say they got enough budget to get in the market, but they're going to get a smaller place just say we're going to go with 650,000 mm-hmm. as an arbitrary number. So 650,000 can get them a smaller place that's perfectly done or then get a, a, a renovated a spot that needs renovation for 600,000 and maybe have 50,000 towards that renovation. So when someone turns around they're looking at that 650 but they want bigger. How what would you do to advise them? So like I think it, it it definitely comes down to their comfort level and 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 who they are as as buyers and are they looking for that turnkey property because you know they have a busy busy family life busy work life or all that together and that's just exactly who they are and they're not you know they're not very handy or or have the resources to assist them. Um, on the other hand, you know, a lot of my clients um, are ones that are extremely handy, no construction, are in the business. And I I always say if if you can get a property that is, you know, in a similar location and you get to put your own stamp on it, um, you know, to me, that's a, that's called smart investing. Um, however, there are, are people definitely who just want turnkey. They'll pay the additional money, and you know one of my 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 sayings I always use is, "Do what you do well, and and pay others uh, to do what you don't do well." And so, if you know that your handyman special uh, is uh, is going to cost you more money in the end, which it normally does, um, then then go with the turnkey, spend the additional money, and and just be true to yourself. That makes total sense. And uh, yeah, you're right. It's always knowing your strengths and what you're able to handle or not handle. That's definitely true. Um, I, I like how you said the investor mindset, right? Because a lot of times people are emotional about this purchase. And I understand the emotion when you want to live there. But I have investor clients that buy homes or condos or something for an investment. And I find them, you know, going in and getting their personal bias in there. And they're looking at that and says, oh, it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that. And I'm sitting there going, but you still get the rent you want. Does it matter? And, and like I find a lot of times people think as if it's the home they're buying, not a home they're renting. They get that personal attachment. And uh, that, that, that is one of the, uh, not challenges, I mean, but that's one of the uh, things that I find I have to um, embed in their mind of that when you're buying an investment property, you just want to look at what's the maximum you can get for rental. The fact that it doesn't have quartz or granite really doesn't matter if you get the same rent or similar rent because the cost to install it could outweigh the cost of, of, of like the amount you receive. 
For sure. And I, I think that comes into play depending on what generation you're dealing with and, and backgrounds is that some people who haven't been in the market as of late, um, you know, have their preconceived notions and what it was before. So you find that they give that kind of feedback and, and information. However, when you have to explain to them what it is now and, you know, what these properties are, are, are selling for, uh, I think they come you know, they, most of them snap out of it pretty quickly and understand that um, the goal is to get you the best investment property at the best price in this market, not what the market was 10 years ago, or, you know, your, your friend had bought, you know, X house on this street eight years ago. And, you know, this is what they did. Well, that was eight years ago, you know, so you're where you're at now and, and the prices are the prices and, you know, yes, do they vary, uh, somewhat for sure but on average everything is going up absolutely you're right and um, yeah you're absolutely right about that so but yeah so that's some of the experiences i had so i see how you uh, you handle them as well which is very mm -hmm. insightful um let me ask you something how long have you been in real estate what did you do before real estate so yeah so i've been in real estate eight years uh prior to that uh i worked in hr uh at a local hospital as well as in the federal government oh and wow so yeah so i left i uh i left the the kind of public private sector and i started i launched my business in 2012 and um you know it's uh, it's been an amazing journey and i absolutely just love every aspect of real estate and, and growing and expanding my business. So it's, uh, it's honestly, the, my clients have been so good to me and, and uh, has, have pretty much allowed me to, uh, to work on a pretty, uh, pretty much a 93% referral based business. So uh, in, in, in real estate that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm blessed to have that. Yeah, you're right. Referrals are, again, we look at the stats and uh, the stats say 70% of the people don't use the same realtor twice, which shows that, you know, obviously if that's the numbers, the number of people putting in the service isn't there. And obviously when you get 93% referral, cause nobody's going to be hundred percent, but 93 is high. That really shows that you put in the effort and the care that's required, which is fantastic. Yeah. I'm, I'm really lucky. And it's, 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 it's nice when you, you know, you, you, you do something for one family member and then they refer another family member or, you know, uh, the parents house or the grandparents or who, whoever um and and it just kind of becomes like this dynamic where you know you're getting questions and happy to answer and uh you know things are just always kind of popping up and and i, I find that that those are the most uh, uh important relationships is 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 just assisting uh you know the family and then obviously their friends and business associates um you know in their real estate needs Absolutely. Now, let me ask you something, because I mean, technically the job before real estate, in a way you have that dream job, you had that dream job that's professed through families for generations, you know, go to school, get a good job to get a good education. And if you can get a job with the government, you're set for life. And, you know, you know, the usual stereotypical that's message. Right. What was your motivation to make the leap? Um, so it, it had to be more of my creative side. I, I, I find that, um, uh, the people aspect, especially in the HR, is is it varies because everyone in any situation um, can handle it differently. So I found that that was very similar, but it was more the in terms of being creative, marketing, uh, trying new things, 
um, and just being able to be my own boss and run a business that I want to run and how I want to run it, um, I would say was the catalyst for for me leaving, you know, uh, an ex, you know, extremely well-paying uh, position. And, uh, you know, uh, my parents will, uh, you know, probably say to this day still that, you know, they support me 100%, but, you know, they, in the back of their heads, they, they I, I know for a fact that, uh, you know, they're always like, well, you could do both, or, you know, are you sure? And, and I get it because, you know, uh, growing up, you know, that was a dream job and that is people's dream jobs. And um, I had a great team, work with great people. It just, um, I just wanted more for myself and to be able to run my own business. And I think, uh, you know, so far being eight years in, um, I'm really lucky and, uh, you know, working hard at it and uh, it's it's been going well. Absolutely. Like I noticed you are, uh, you are and have grown a team, right? So how did that come about? And uh, yeah, how did that come about? And I'll get into my next question after that. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I have had, a full-time assistant with me for the last five years. Um, I felt that um, it was really important to concentrate on what I do well, but on things that I don't do well, that I need help. Um, and so I, I found that that relationship has been huge and has been a main driving factor in success and expanding. Um, and in addition to that, I, I, I do have kind of strategic alliances uh, with with colleagues and other agents that that will support um, whether it's uh, assisting buyers or investors or you know going to home inspections or marketing or or whatever the the task may may well be um, definitely uh, a good good foundation of support and for for our end is that we're always we're always looking it doesn't matter um, it doesn't matter the time if the right person comes along or the right, you know, talent or skill is presented. Um, we're we're open and always having conversations and uh, kind of being in, in in real estate. I'm sure I'm sure the same happens to you. Uh, we have a lot of people who you know ask ask a lot of questions, not only from the public but from other colleagues or or you know newer agents. And uh, I always take the time to to answer their questions because, you know, I was there at one point and, um, you know, I want to be there for them as well. And also show them the reality that, you know, you, you may watch TV and, you know, it's an edited version and you see all the fun and all that. But there is there is a lot of, you know, long nights and tough conversations and stress um, that is not shown uh, on the, those TV shows. And so I, I give a, a nice reality check uh, to a lot of people who, who want to have a candid conversation about real estate. That's what I provide. Absolutely. I agree with you. I always say we have a uh, business that runs nine to five, but actually uh, we have a nine to five business that ends whenever we're done, which basically could be 11 a.m., 12, 1, 2 a.m. But that's our nine to five. <laughs> that's right. And it's seven days a week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How many times have you gone on vacation, carried your laptop and your phone? I mean, uh, every single vacation I've ever been on and every single vacation I carve out two hours per day to be in the hotel room answering and putting together offers and answering people's questions. And I'm blessed to be able to do that, but it, it you're never turned off. At least I'm not. And, uh, 
you know, uh, for people who can completely turn off, uh, kudos to them. Uh, I'm just not, uh, I, I'm just not that type. I'm very, I'm very hands-on. And uh, when my clients need something, I'm there. Absolutely. See, that's what I, I believe. This is not just a business. It's not a job. Definitely 100% not a job. It is a business, but it's more like a lifestyle business. I, I agree, John. It's it, it, lifestyle. It, it's just, it, it, it's either who you are or it's not. And I feel that, you know, as I'm sure you do the same, uh, sitting at tables or having Zoom calls and, and meeting with buyers and sellers, uh, I think that they they realize um, who's in front of them, just like in any other type of business. They know what works for them, what doesn't work for them and who has their best interests. And so, you know, when I sit down, you know, I'm just me um, myself in business is the same I am in my personal life. There's no there's no buffer or persona or ego. Uh, it's just me. And so uh, it's very, it's very easy. Sometimes I'm a little too blunt, but um, you know, that's just how I'm built. And I think uh, my clients, obviously they, they, they appreciate the, the advice and guidance and in turn, you know, they refer me. So I must be doing something right. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you there. And that's the thing, right? It's like, yeah, it is definitely, definitely, definitely hands-on like people, you know, a lot of times people have their notions, but they're really coming to you because they just need that extra help, right? They want to make sure because it's a large investment. Let's face it. For most people, this is the largest amount of money they're going to spend ever, right? Absolutely. So nobody ever does that just on a whim, right? So seeking professional advice is always the best route. And that's what we always have to remember. We're professionals offering our experience and knowledge to help others make their right decision. That's right. And offering, giving them the options and seeing what works best for them from, from their needs and also what their future aspirations are as well. And, you know, not taking that on and, and saying like, you know, taking it personally, if they choose a different route or a different option, like that's their choice. And so, you know, being able to provide the pros and cons to each of those options and allowing buyers and sellers to choose what works best for them. To me, I think that's what a professional does. Absolutely. hundred percent. Now going back to the, um, to when you built your team and stuff, do you have any regrets? Like some, I've heard some people say they regretted that they should have hired sooner. Um, I've never heard anybody said that they should have waited, but <laughs> um, do you have any regrets or there is, was there any learning lessons you got out of it from the experience you did have? Yeah, I, I, I personally, I, I should have hired a year prior to what I did. So I think two years into the business, uh, I was at a position uh, that I've built, uh, you know, a strong business was expanding. And I definitely took, I was taking on too much to continue to keep the level of service that I wanted to provide to my clients. So I think there was a, 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 an overlap of a year that I could have easily um, had an assistant at that time. Um, so that was a lesson learned. Um, however, when I did meet uh, my assistant, uh, Serena, um, it was instant. And I knew that we would be a great match and work well together. And knock on wood, it's uh, we're going on five years together. So um, it, she's a great hire and, and she's family. So it's uh, it's great. Fantastic. Now, when you got into the business and you started, right? I mean, obviously, people start with nothing. Like they just get their license, start, and you're like, you get into the brokerage, and then boom, go, right? 
what challenges did you find and how did you start building? Like what was some of your, um, what was some of your strategies to build the business? Yeah. So first it was very basic. It was just letting people know in person and through social media, um, what I do and I'm in real estate. And so it was exciting to see people's kind of reaction to that and, and a lot of, a lot of positive, um, uh, feedback. Um, so, uh, I would say that was first was, was just letting people know. Um, and then it was kind of just providing, you know, content and key information that I thought that people would want to know. And then also what they, what they didn't know they wanted. Um, so that, so that people could, could be asking questions, um, and I could be getting back to them and, and showing, you know, uh, the experience and what we know and, and, uh, you know, what you know for the city and the different neighborhoods, which being born and raised in Ottawa offers a lot of that experiences. I know all the school boundaries. I, you know, I know a lot of people at the, the different, the various schools as well as all the amenities. So, um, it allowed me to speak from a perspective of to kind of mirror where that buyer or seller was at. Um, so that would be another one. And then, you know, working by referral, like understanding, um, that I'm here to do uh, a great job for you. And then in turn, if, if you think that, um, I'm worthy of your, of, of your business and your referrals that, you know, you just ask for them. And, you know, I, I would say that those three kind of pillars were, were the start of, of a successful business on my point. Makes sense. So that's the thing, right? Like that's one, see what I heard from there, which is also or what I'm getting out of this as well as an important thing. And this is what I've learned over the long run as well, that it's like referral is very, very key and it's knowing your community, right? Like, like Ontario is fairly big, right? So, and as an example, I was born and raised in a, in a tobo, which was just West of downtown Toronto. So it would make sense for me to serve a tobacco. I mean, now I live in the Niagara region and Hamilton, Niagara region, like I'm kind of on the border. So my focus is Halton, Hamilton, Niagara. But where I'm going with this is that if someone calls me for Scarborough, I'm not going to get in my car and run down there because what would I know about that area when I'm living on the other side of the uh, (laughs) city, right? So I'm like, it's about servicing that that referral, making sure that you can truly help them. Just going blindly and using Google Maps isn't really providing that service. So I really believe that in order to serve that client and to do them justice, you have to know more about the area than they do, or just as much at minimum, uh, right? I so, agree. Yeah, and I look at it, and, I, and, the, and the way I say, so, like, I had a funny incident uh, with somebody in my office yesterday, and it was comical, right? I mean, what ended up, he, ha- he asked me, like, he goes, um, is water down in, ha- where's water down? Uh, and, or is that in Hamilton? And first thing I said to him is if you have to ask me where Waterdown is, that's the clear sign that you shouldn't be servicing that area. <laughs> I mean, what he meant is he couldn't find it on the uh, MLS, but the point is it's, just, it's still illustrated the uh, the point. Exactly. Like you, you need to know the area first uh, to be of value. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So um, what was your biggest hurdle when you started? I would say that, um, you know, that kind of close friends and family weren't the first people to come and support you. Um, I would say that that was something that really opened my eyes and, and, you know, it, it, you, you grow thicker skin. 
Um, so definitely, definitely that. And, you know, once you do have, you know, certain clients and they're referring you, it's kind of funny to see who comes out of the woodwork afterwards, um, seeing the success and then wanting to be a part of that or have you be a part and, and get them, you know, to sell the houses or, or helping to buy. So definitely the, the biggest hurdle was the initial, um, like who, who truly is there to, uh, support you and, 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 uh, refer business or give you business. Yeah, that makes total sense. I went through the same thing, exact same thing. I had, uh, I had, um, close people that wanted me to compete for the business, not, not even present what I can offer. They wanted me to compete, but they're your best friends. They're your, they're your family, but you got to compete, right? It was like, I understand if you want to know, what do I know? What can I help with? That makes sense. But, you know, it's compete almost like they want to go, like, I'm, I'm going to go into a bidding war for it. You know what I mean? Like, it was just shocking. You know what I mean? Like, very Absolutely. shocking. So, but, hey, you know what? It is what it is. And, exactly. the, and, and the best way to do is just to move forward and keep being more successful. Eventually, they'll come back and say, I should use you. Well, and also, John, some of them, uh, the best thing that you can do is is not work with them. That's true because, too. Because not everyone, not everyone is meant to work together. Uh, and if there isn't mutual respect, or you're you're always constantly uh, have your back against the wall and responding and responding, and it's just not being picked up. Sometimes the best call is that this is just not going to work, and it's probably best that you do go with someone else. And I've had those conversations, and uh, even though they were difficult to have, they were the right decision for my business. Absolutely. I've referred people out when I've, I've done that before where I felt so much tension. It felt like a tug of war every step. I've stepped back and say, I don't think we work well together, but here's someone that I think would work well. With Absolutely. You. Yep. Right? Yeah, yeah. Always, always having the options. Absolutely. And yeah, exactly. So what advice would you have for anybody who's considering coming to the uh, real estate industry wants to get their license? So, First, I would say connect with your sphere of influence. If, if you know or have, you know, uh, a family realtor or ones that your parents have, have used or, or friends or whatnot, just kind of get some names, reach out and, and just, you know, buy them a cup of coffee, ask if they have 20 minutes. Uh, as we all know, people in business, their time is the most precious and time management is key. So just just ask if they have some time. Um, and, and just ask to be candid and, and get their experience. And I, I would say that would be the initial. And then, and then the next step to that would be speaking with uh, the brokerages and, you know, kind of interviewing to see where, where, you know, where you best fit or where you think that you'll be the best supported. Um, and then kind of just take, take, taking a step back, um, doing the courses, and, and seeing how things change and, and having, you know, some people that you can lean on and ask questions, I think is the most important. And there are people who will give you time and there's people that won't. Um, I think that's the same in any business. So um, that to me would be the most important is, is just reaching out to, to people that either you know or that has a connection to someone um, that is in the business and, and just ask them uh, to, to respect their time for 15, 20 minutes and, uh, and, and get some real kind of real time answers uh, on, on their experience. Right, which makes total, total sense. So 
I'm going to be, you know, speaking of time, we're getting to that time where it's getting close. So I want to respect your time. So I'm going to have a couple more questions before we wrap it up. Sounds great, John. So one of the questions is, and I kind of have an idea of what your answer is going to be. It's going to be about CRMs. How important are CRMs to you? And uh, do you, which one do you happen to use? And what was your uh, reason to use that? Very simple. So um, I'm part of Buffini and Company. And so I've been with them from, from day one. Um, so I use Referral Maker, which is my CRM, and I absolutely love it. Um, and I personally um, find it very user-friendly and uh, it just kind of goes with my business model. So I haven't had to, to, to vary onto anything else. I know that there are definitely other very good CRMs, but on my end, um, I have it all wrapped up in one kind of price and everything with Buffini and Company, and uh, it's been doing me well. Fantastic. Um, I want to say thank you for uh, joining me today. This was a great talk. But before we leave, why don't you let anyone know your contact information or how to reach you? So if anyone in Ottawa is looking and they see this, they'll have a way to connect. Well, thanks, John. I want to say, first of all, thanks for having me on. This was a, a great and uh, really uh, kind of real time uh, conversation on, on what's going on in our, our, our different uh, but near close markets. But yes, you can reach me. Um, NickKite.com is, is my website. I'm also on all social media handles, which is at Nick J. Kite, and that's K-Y-T-E. Um, and I absolutely love social media. So what you see in person is what you see online, just a lifestyle and, and, and enjoy. So people can definitely reach out and find me on those mediums, as well as my website, nickkite.com. Fantastic. Thanks again, and uh, we'll touch base soon. Sounds great, John. Thanks again. Enjoy your day. You too.